I'm so excited to be here and be able to serve Pastor Doug and Kelly, as well as serve you guys here at Living Word Church. It's truly an honor and a privilege to be able to speak to you all today. Living Word Church, you have been blessed, dearly blessed to have amazing leaders that love God, that love you, and truly can attest to the goodness and the power of God. Pastor Doug is such an encourager. I mean, this dude does nothing but encourage, right? While he was in a state of needing all of us to seek God on his behalf, he was still texting me and other pastors. Guys, I hope you have a great Sunday today. Kill it. Like, that's just his heart telling us that he's praying for us in the midst of all of his pain and all of his concern. And having an experience like Doug and his family that has recently navigated will, will actually enable you to get a better perspective of God in life in general, or having an experience like that can actually throw you completely off. Now, Pastor Kelly did an awesome job last week breaking down the importance of perspective, right? Perspective is everything. Perspective is everything. By show of hands here in the building, for those of you online, just type in yes with this question, right? The answer to this question. How many of you like giving gifts? All right. I'm going to need to get everybody's number before I leave, right? <laughs> All right. And those of you uh, that like receiving gifts, raise your hand. Online, type yes. Okay. All right. We got some gift receivers up in here. All right. Awesome. You know, I have this aunt who was like the best gift giver ever. Maybe some of you have that family member or you are that family member, right? That you just go above and beyond with the gifting when it comes to birthdays and holidays or whatever. But my aunt, she was the best gift giver. I could always expect to get something top notch, right? If I knew I wanted something, especially for my birthday or Christmas, and my parents would be like, I don't know. I'd be like, I'm calling my aunt. She's going to come through, right? No matter what, she always came through with the awesome gifts. Now, back in the day, right, there was a season in my life, and this might be TMI for some of you, all right, where I had a little bit of an issue. Uh, I had a bedwetting problem, you know? Uh, thank God I'm healed in the name of Jesus. My wife is probably more thankful, right? Right? We've We've, we've gone through, right? I'm, I'm healed. Uh, but yeah, so I had this season in my life where that was an issue for me. And uh, I, I was just super anxious to like sleep over a friend's house when there was sleepovers, like, because it just, it just rattled my, my world at this young age. And so my aunt got wind of it. Like this was something that I was struggling with. And so Christmas came up, I'm opening gifts, and then here was this package from my aunt. I'm like, oh, buddy, here it goes, right? What does she have in here? So I opened the box up, and it's actually underwear. <laughs> and I'm like, come on, man, what, what is this? Like, you are not known for this. You go over the top. But it was special underwear. <laughs> bedwetting underwear, right? <laughs> now, listen, there's something super unique about this bedwetting underwear, and it's probably, they probably don't make it anymore because somebody probably got seriously hurt, all right? But she did it out of the kindness of her heart. She wanted to help me. She knew I was anxious. She knew I was struggling with this. So this special underwear came with like a moisture sensor, okay? And then this had a buzzer that was attached to your ear. So when it, it sensed moisture, this buzzer to make you wake up and go to the bath. And now every time I hear a buzzer, a little bit of a problem, all right? Pray for me. But think about this. Gifts, right? 
the individual that sees life as a gift lives life much differently than the individual that doesn't or the individual that takes life for granted, right? They tend to, to not get derailed when they encounter difficult, difficulty. They seem to be a bit more even killed, right, when problems arise. People that see life as a gift, actually, they, they smile a lot more than the average person. The, the things that rock people, we have the people that see life as a gift, they kind of just, they're good with it. You know, as followers of Jesus, those of us that have made a decision to do so, we are to have the perspective of seeing everything that we have, including life itself, as a gift from God. But all too often, we lose that perspective. We take life for granted, right? We get busy with the day-to-day, bills to pay. That rhymed, all right? We start focusing on the problems rather than the problem solver, amen, right? We start focusing on our provision rather than the provider. We focus more on the mess than the one who can actually remove it. And we get stuck. H.M. Tomlinson has this great quote about perspective, right? We see things not as they are, but as we are. Perspective is everything, especially as followers of Jesus, right? We all have issues. We all have problems. We all have sinned and fallen short. Amen? Amen? Amen. And so I think for a lot of us as followers of Jesus, like we navigate life and when things come our way or problems come or mistakes that we make, for instance, like let's take this, this, this little spill right here. Sorry, worship team. Okay, I didn't hit any equipment. We're good, right? We see the, like, like that's like something that happens in our life, right? A mistake or an issue. And God's here, right? As the one who can clean it all up just in one swoop. But here we are, often as followers of Jesus, we act like God's not even present. We're like, maybe the lighting will dry it. Like, like, God, don't worry about this. You got other things to worry about. There's a pandemic. There's things going on in, my, you know, in life. Like, you don't need to worry. Worry about all the other things. I got this issue. And we focus on the issue rather than seeing God way bigger than the issue. And the whole time we're navigating that, stressing ourselves out, God is right here. Let me clean it up for you. Do we have the right perspective of God? Do we see him as big as he truly is? As Christians, we have Jesus, right? My question to you is, do you see his love, his grace, his mercy, his acceptance as a gift? Even more so, is Jesus enough for you? See, if you see his grace, his love, and his mercy as a gift, and in the depths of your heart, you firmly believe that Jesus truly is enough for you, then there will be a real evidence by the way you live your life, your perspective will cause you to live your life a certain way. What's crazy is that Christians all over the world have a different idea or a different perspective of what it's looked like to be a follower of Jesus, which is really unfortunate. 
even more so recently during these divisive times that we're all in, the church itself has become divided. And it pains God's heart. We've become divided based on political views and all sorts of issue in our culture today. And it pains God's heart. And we lose focus on what's really important. If we take a look at how Jesus navigated life all throughout Scripture, we see Jesus focusing on those who are in need, right? Loving those who are deemed unlovable, feeding those who are hungry, healing those that are sick, mending broken hearts, reestablishing identities. Here's the dear church, right? Following Jesus is not complicated but it is challenging. One of the biggest challenges of following Jesus today is comfort. It's comfort. Tim Keller has this awesome quote. He says this, any person who only sticks with Christianity as long as things are going his or her way is actually a stranger to the cross. See, church, often when we try to keep our comfort, we end up neglecting our calling. When it comes to following Jesus and we focus on our comfort, we focus on what's good for us, maintaining a lifestyle that's good, we end up neglecting our calling. And as followers of Jesus, when you made that decision to say yes to Christ, immediately you were given a calling. Don't neglect your calling for the sake of comfort. When you neglect your calling, you're actually neglecting God. When you neglect your calling, you're actually neglecting those in need right now. In the Gospel of Luke, we see where Jesus is with his disciples right after Jesus healed a paralyzed man that was lowered into a packed house that Jesus was speaking in. Jesus invites this man by the name of Levi, and his Greek name is Matthew, who was a tax collector, to follow him. In Luke chapter 5, verse 27 through 28, this is this account. It says, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi, also known as Matthew, sitting at his tax booth. Jesus walks up to him and says, follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up left everything, and followed him. One thing you need to understand is that what Jesus did right there was super countercultural. Tax collectors, I'm sorry if anyone works for the IRS in here. I'm so sorry, right? Tax collectors were like the low of the low, right? You had sinners, then you had tax collectors, right? They were the low of the low. They were considered the scum of the earth. Because they robbed from their own people, right? They collected a tax, but then they added a little percentage on it, so they were actually stealing from their own people. I mean, the low of the low. And here we find Jesus, who's the Messiah, performing miracles, doing all these amazing things, associating himself with the scum of the earth. Let's read on about this encounter, Luke chapter 5, verse 29 through 30. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. 
and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. So not only is Jesus hanging out with this one tax collector, he goes to a huge party with a bunch of them. Verse 30, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, right, the smarty pants, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? This baffled them. This is, you're the Messiah. You're coming here bringing good news, right? This is what you're all about. Like, you're supposed to be the holy guy. Then what are you doing associating yourself with these scum of the earth? And even think about the conversations with the disciples. The disciples like, hold on, Jesus. Like, yeah, maybe they got this thing right and we have it wrong. Like, do we want people to think we're like them? Should we be associating with these individuals? I mean, these are the low of the low. We don't talk to them. And here we are having a dinner party with a bunch of them. What's up with that? Huge issue here. Jesus had a perfect response to this. And to be honest, I believe this is what our posture should be as well as followers of Jesus. Verse 31 and 32, Jesus answered them, is it not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick? I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The message version says this, I'm here inviting outsiders, not insiders, an invitation to a changed life, changed inside and out. Rachel Held Evans, who's a late Christian columnist and author, had this quote. She says, what makes the gospel offensive isn't who it keeps out, but who it lets in. You know, before I became the youth pa- or the lead pastor of the Experience Vineyard Church, I was hired as the youth pastor. It was a really cool, fun time. Sometimes I wish I could go back and be a youth pastor, but I realized I lost all my swag and my coolness. So here I am. But I remember uh, being going through the interview process and, and seeing a bunch of these teenagers that grew up in church, about 40 of them. Families were a part of churches. These kids who were hungry to know more of God and just needed someone to lead them and, and be with them as they continued their journey. I was so excited by that. I got to meet a bunch of these kids and during the interview process, got to talk to them, see where they're at. It was a really cool time. But later on in the interview process, the lead pastor at the time took me outside of the church building, right outside our main doors. About 10 feet across the way, there's this movie theater. And then there was this fence that divided the properties between our church and the movie theater. So it created sort of this alleyway. He walked me outside, he showed me the alleyway, and he said, listen, man, every weekend there's hundreds of kids that hang out there, that smoke, that drink, that just do their thing. For years, we've been unable to connect with them. Soon as he said that, my heart began to skip a beat. Like, I, I was almost in, right? And then when he showed me that there was something there, God did something in my heart that I wasn't prepared for. My heart began to skip a beat. That there was an opportunity right here. There was a present darkness that light, God's light was desiring to shine through. And so as I was hired to be the lead or the youth pastor, I'm hanging out with the kids and having all this awesome time with the 40 kids that are part of the church. 
But my heart is still pulled to the group of individual kids that, that are still lost, that are in their misery. And so one day after lunch, I decided to introduce myself to a bunch of the kids. There's about five of them hanging out. So me and the worship pastor were like, I'm like, dude, we need to introduce ourselves to these kids. He's like, dude, no, no, you're going to be a weirdo. No, don't do that. <laughs> like you're old now. Like you can't do that. Right. And I'm like, no, dude, like we should, we should go over there. So we walked over to introduce ourselves to the kids and they immediately started cursing at us with a vocabulary that I don't even want to go into right now. But they've given us the business, right, because they thought we were detectives. I don't look like a detective. The bald head, like, what's up with that, right? But through that, right, through that engage, we still poured out to them, wanted to, get, we got to know their names, right, connected with them time after time after time, and they developed some trust. A few months after that weird, awkward engagement with that, those few individuals, we were having a youth group on a Thursday night. And uh, I was getting ready to deliver a, a message as a youth pastor that was going to change the hearts of these young people, right? <laughs> it was going to be powerful. They needed to listen. And then I had pizza on top of it. That was going to seal the deal, right? Come on. And so right in the middle, as I was beginning to share this message, and the pizza boxes were flying open, the door was open between our church for our, our main door entrance and where the kids were hanging out that were smoking and drinking. And so as I was beginning to, to speak to the youth group, you could get whiffs of like weed and they were loud and there's all sorts of stuff going on. And I remember just thinking in my head, I need to close this door. As soon as I thought that thought, something happened. The Holy Spirit spoke. He said, how dare you shut the door on these kids? They're the ones that need to be present. They're the ones that need to hear the goodness of who I am. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, right? How are we going to do this, right? So uh, I'm like, all right, guys, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get our pizza boxes and all the youth because like, no, these are our pizza. It's my pizza, right? I'm like, no, we're going to take the pizza boxes. No, it's pepperoni. It's my favorite, right? The whole thing was happening. And I'm like, guys, take the pizza boxes. They're like, what are we going to do with them? So we're going to take the pizza over to these kids, and I was terrified. I really was. Because I'm like, yo, I'm going to get some phone calls, man. What did you do to my kids tonight? Like all sorts of thoughts were going in my head. I was just praying, God, if this is you, you're going to make this work out. So we took the pizza boxes, and I'm like, all right, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take our pizza. We're going to share it with them. And I'm like, okay. So they start sharing the pizza. And they started rolling the pizza up and putting it through the fence. I'm like, no, guys, no, that's not how you share. Walk around the fence and give them the pizza. Like, okay, you know, it's just a weird, awkward situation. But once we walked around the fence and began sharing the pizza, something beautiful began to happen. I just remember being there. I mean, I'm just sensing like I'm there right now. Just the Holy Spirit breathing a breath over me, over those kids, over the, the kids from the fence, right? Like something happened. My life was changed. All their lives were changed from that moment on. Time went on from there where youth group, as we knew it, changed completely. We went from 40 kids to over 120 kids, and most of them didn't even go to church. And so youth group nights looked a little different. We played loud music, ate pizza, and prayed for kids. That's all we did. So we got to know these kids by name. One of the kids we got to know really well, his name was Matt. 
And Matt was like a cool kid, right? He just, he was swagged out, man. Just a cool kid. Got to know his story. We recognized that he was struggling with drugs for a little bit. And then after a while, he got into to opiates. And we all know, we all know how hard the opiates are, how it's impacted so many lives. So one day, once we figured out, like, he was really struggling with, with heroin, we said, Matt, dude, like, bro, I know you're struggling. Like, can, can we help you? Let's, let's go to a meeting. Let's do what we can to get you clean. He's like, nah, dude, like, it's, it's cool. I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm like, Matt, come on, man. Let's, let's do this together. You know we got your back. And he's like, dude, I know you got my back. I know you guys are care, are care for me. I know I can come here and be accepted. I was like, all right, bro, when, whenever you're ready, let's, we'll walk, walk you through it. He's like, I know. A week later, unfortunately, we got a call from Matt's mom that he had OD'd. He passed away. A few months after that, there was this girl by the name of Lauren, and Lauren was wild, man. Dude, when we played music, she was like, Whoa! We're like, oh, no, 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 chill. We're not at the club, right? <laughs> Hang out. But Lauren was always running into trouble, right? And uh, some legal trouble, some stuff always was part of her, her story. And so one night, my wife got to really connect with Lauren. And Lauren came up to my wife and was like, why, why do you guys treat us like this? Why are you good to us? Like, what is it? And my wife was like, well, why, why shouldn't we be? She said, because I'm bad. I do bad things. Why should I be treated good? My wife said, because we love you. We know what it's like to go through all this stuff. But we love you, and there's a God that loves you, and we're here for you. A month after that conversation, unfortunately, Lauren was brutally murdered, only a mile from our church. If we hadn't shared pizza with those two kids, they never would have known, even in their struggles, even in their mess, the goodness and the love of God. And there's this kid, David, right? He was the youngest of the group. He's about 12 when we met. And actually, the first time me and the worship pastor uh, went to meet the group, he was there cursing the most. Like his vocabulary was on a whole nother level, right? Now, David, being the youngster of the group, he really connected extremely well with Matt as well as Lauren. He was like the, the little brother of the group. And we were super concerned for David's life after encountering all these losses. I mean, his home life was just a mess. But after Matt and Lauren passed, David became like a son of our church. David now, currently, is enrolled in college, studying for elementary education. Not only that, he is like the best, best volunteer on our volunteer team. Sunday after Sunday when he's present, he's, he's doing whatever you ask of him. He's following Jesus to the best of his ability right now. Who knows what his life would have been if that encounter at the fence never happened. church and Jesus' invitation to follow him, we are also commanded to assist others in their journey. We're not asked. We're commanded. 
The gift of salvation through faith in Jesus is something that is supposed to be shared with others. I'd argue that it demands to be shared with others. The words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of age. I looked really hard. There's no mention of comfort here. Jesus doesn't say, hey, when it's good for you. Jesus doesn't say, hey, when it fits into your schedule where you think it's okay or when you're only having a good day. No mention of comfort. The Apostle Paul knew what it was like to receive this love, this grace, this mercy, and acceptance from Jesus. It transformed him from the inside out. And he knew immediately, once he received it, his goal, his mission was to share it with as many people as he could. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, the words of the Apostle Paul, he said this, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. He knew the gift. He knew it needs to be shared with those in darkness. The Apostle Paul understood the gift of Jesus' grace, his mercy, his love, his acceptance. And he believed that because it was shown to him in abundance, that he too might show it to others who are lost in their own darkness. I truly believe for a lot of us as followers of Jesus, we forget how dark our darkness was. We forget how messy our mess was before God came in. We forget the pain of trying to fill that deep emptiness that we experienced, right? With all sorts of things that left us feeling worse and worse and worse. Not only that, we forget that there are people all around us that are experiencing that same darkness right now and are in need of a love, that are in need of a light, that are in need of an acceptance. If you have the right perspective, if you see his grace, if you see his mercy, if you see his love as a gift, and in the depths of your heart, you firmly believe that Jesus is truly enough for you, then there will be a real evidence by the way you live your life. And the greatest evidence of that is that you will understand your identity in Christ. That you yourself are a son or a daughter of the living God. Those of you that are struggling in your faith, that are questioning whether God exists or not. Those of you watching online, maybe for the first time, just trying to figure this God thing out. You are invited as well. You are invited. And there's nothing that you can say or do to earn that invitation. You are loved beyond measure. 
And you are called son. You are called daughter of the living God. And because of that, no weapon formed against you will prosper. He that is now within you is greater than he that is within the world. And your response to that is to share that with the rest of the world. 1 John 3, 1 says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. Amen? And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Church, being the light in the darkness of the world can look a variety of ways. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have a theology, have to have a theology degree. You don't have to know the Bible front to back, although reading it is really good. You don't have to have a certain personality. You don't have to be like this or have to be like that. You don't have to tell your story to everyone you see. You don't have to be weird. Sometimes being the light can be as simple as awkwardly sharing a slice of pizza with hurting teenagers. We all have individuals in our lives that are in need of love and acceptance. A love and acceptance that only our Heavenly Father can provide. Here's the catch. You're not going to be able to share it if you're not experiencing it yourself. And I'm not talking about Sunday. Okay, it's great. Sunday was awesome. Now back to life, right? It has to be a daily feeling, a, feeling, a daily experience of the love and the grace and the mercy and the acceptance of Jesus. I think that's part of it, too. We wait too far in between. We feel good, off to life, till we feel bad again, then we jump back on the horse. We feel good. It's just this repetitive cycle that we're all, all fall victim to. I think it's important for us to wake up in this moment. If anything, the pandemic has allowed us to stop and truly see our lives appropriately, to see Jesus appropriately, to see how big God is. To see our true identity in him. So I'm going to invite you guys right now, if you wouldn't mind standing right now. Those of you that are watching online, if you can, I invite you to as well. Just stand in this moment. I believe this is an invitation for all of us right here and now. So as I pray for you all, I just invite you just to extend your hands like this, like you're receiving something. I'm just going to ask God's love to just overwhelm us right now in this moment. So Jesus, we just thank you. God, we thank you for this moment. God, for those of us that follow you, this is a moment of just acknowledging how big you are. In comparison to all of our problems, all of our issues, God, you are that big. 
But God, there's an aspect of your kingdom that, God, you invite us to, but often we get so busy or so wrapped up that we don't acknowledge it, God. And one of the beauties of having a relationship with you, of following you, is the fact that we can stand here in your presence, not say or do anything, and be filled with your love, with your grace and your acceptance. And so for those of us that are followers of Jesus, this is an invitation to be refreshed, to be filled once again with that love and that grace and that acceptance, similar to the time when we first said yes to Jesus. I pray that you just be overwhelmed again with that love. For those of us that maybe are on the fence of our faith right now, we're just navigating it. Maybe some of us are experiencing some real darkness. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, God, come right now. Hold your children. Hold them, God. Let them know that you are with them. They don't have to fear. They don't have to worry. You are with them every step of the way of this thing we call life. In the midst of the darkness, you are a present, God. for those of us right now, God, that have just been accustomed to this comfort, I pray in the name of Jesus that you break our hearts for what breaks yours, God. That we have the right perspective on you, the right perspective on ourselves, the right perspective of those that we encounter, God. That we see things, that we see individuals the way that you see them, God. Right now, I pray right now you put, you put individuals, people groups on our hearts and our minds right now, God. Right now, break our hearts for what break yours. Right now, God. We say no to comfort. We say yes to calling and our identity in you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Darkness can't drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate can't drive out hate. Only love can do that. Church, live with passion, live with mission, live with intention under the grace and the will of God. Be the light. Reflect God's love. I bless you all in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And in Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Amen. Please worship with us.